Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor David Eldridge. All right, good to see y'all. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at Stonebridge. Glad y'all are with us. If you're joining us online, glad that y'all are doing that as well. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. So last week, uh, we began the second half of the book of Ephesians, 4, 5, and 6. And we said, the, really, the headline for that is, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So chapter 4, 5, and 6 is Paul unpacking that phrase. And last week, the focus was on kind of us as a body. What does it look like for us to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received? And he gives three commands, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So say that that's what it looks like for us in our interactions with one another to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And then that unity of the spirit, he, def, he, de, he de, defines with seven ones. One spirit, one body, one hope to which we are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who's over all and in all and through all. He shifts today and, he's, and he, he moves from all of us to each of us. So last week, the, 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 the pull is towards unity. Make every effort to maintain this unity and today, the, the lean is towards diversity, which doesn't undermine unity, but it, it's, it's another side. Uh, it, it's a fuller expression, I think, of what unity is in the body of Christ. There's diversity. There's not a blandness or a uniformity. You've probably heard that. Unity is not uniformity. And what we're going to look at today, again, it's, it's, a, it's a pull or a lean towards uh, diversity within the body. Starting in verse 7. But to each one of us, so there's that idea, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their de deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's four uh, primary spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Uh, some of the things they all have in common, they all talk about uh, the diversity of gifts. You'll see the list there behind me. Those are the gifts that are listed in those four major sections. Now, most people would say that's not all of the spiritual gifts. There's some others scattered throughout the New Testament. And there's probably others that aren't listed. Paul's not trying to create a theology of time. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about it in the context of unity and diversity. What he's trying to say is we're one body. So think about your own physical body. But we're many parts. And each part has equal worth and equal value, although different 
function. That's what he's trying to communicate in every one of those passages, and Peter as well, in 1 Peter 4. In Romans, it's the Father that gives gifts. In 1 Corinthians, it's the Holy Spirit that gives gifts. In Ephesians, it's Jesus that gives gifts. The, the whole Trinity is involved in the giving of gifts to the church. What I want us to focus on today are those five, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, your Bible may say pastor, it's the same word, and teacher. Those five gifts, we won't have time to dive in incredibly deeply, but my hope for you today and for me today is that we will begin to understand what do these gifts look like played out uh, in the body today. Not just thinking about them in kind of olden times, but what do those things look like today uh, in the body in which we find ourselves. So the picture in Ephesians is of a king who, has, who is returning to his city after winning a battle. So that's Jesus. He descended from heaven to earth. Then he ascended from earth back to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We've seen that in Ephesians already. And now from that place of, seating at the right, of uh, being seated at the right hand of the Father, he gives gifts to the church. And those gifts are people. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. You saw on that list, that's what differentiates Ephesians 4 from all of the rest of those gift lists. And the other gift lists, the gifts are their tasks, their functions. They, it's almost like they're tools. Peter summarizes them. They're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. And all of those other gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, you could fit under one of those two categories. They're either speaking or they're serving but you can't do that with the Ephesians 4 gifts because they're people. And they both speak and serve. So there, there's something different about these five versus the others that are listed uh, throughout the New Testament. Again, the rest of them, I would say you could put all under the category. They're either speaking or they're serving. Those are Peter's categories. Except for these five that we see that Jesus is giving here. So you have a king who has won a victory and now he's distributing plunder to his city. So that's Jesus who has ascended into heaven after his victory on the cross. And he is giving gifts to the church. And those gifts are people. These five categories are groups of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why does he give those gifts to the church? In order to equip the church, the saints, the body for works of service. So in our Stonebridge language, that's in order to help people do their deal. That's what he's doing. That's why he's doing that. Jesus is giving these people, these roles to the church in order to help the church uh, do their deal. In order for the church to, to be equipped for the works, the good works that God has created in advance for us to do. Why is that important? Because that's what builds us up. And what does it mean for us to be built up as a body? And Paul describes it in two different ways. Uh, he says over here, it's for us to grow in the unity of the faith. And to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that's one. And then over here he says it's to become mature. Attaining to the full measure. Uh, uh, excuse me. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. So those two descriptors are what it means to be built up as a body. To grow in unity of the faith. When you see the word the before faith in the New Testament. It's almost always referring to a set of beliefs or doctrines or truths. It's the bullet points. This is what we believe as Christians, there's a, there's a body of content that if we're following Jesus, we're all saying, yes, that is true. That's true of who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is. That's true. What it said, uh, this is true about people. This is true about what God is doing and the way God is working. Where do we find that truth? The Bible's full 
So how do we know? To me, one of the best places is to look at the creeds. We don't spend a lot of time on the creeds here. Maybe we should, uh, maybe, uh, maybe more than we do. I don't know. That's something to think about. But I would encourage you, look up the Apostles' Creed. Just Google it. We use it during our baptism. Those are the questions that we ask someone before they're baptized. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. On the third day he rose from the dead, and from from thence he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Those are things, as Christians, those are bullet points. We, We need to believe those things and not just have that memorized. Why do we say that God is the creator of the heavens and earth? Why does that matter? Why does it matter that Jesus, that we say that Jesus was dead? Why does it matter that we say he was conceived by the Holy Spirit? Why do those things matter? There's a, there's a, a body of truth that we hold to as Christians. And Paul's saying that's part of what these five guys, that's part of what these five roles do. These five groups of people Part of what they do is help us grow in unity around that that set of common beliefs. And in addition, to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is. We've said that knowledge in the New Testament is almost always a relational and experiential, not abstract and intellectual. So we're holding on to both of those things. These are the truths that we all hold on to. And this is the one, the truth, capital T, that we're growing in relationship with. It's both this propositional truth, these are, the, these are the doctrines, and this relational truth, this is the man that we're following and that we're growing in our understanding and knowledge of who he is. That's what these gifts do. And then he goes on and says, and they also help us to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. Maturity, that's, that's becoming what we were intended to become, fulfilling our purpose and design. And the purpose and design is for us to become like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, we've been predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. These gifts help us collectively to mature, to become more like Jesus. Their function is incredibly important. I don't want you to miss that. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, the work that they do is vital to the body. I would say one of the reasons, broad statement, that we see immaturity within the church as a whole is because these guys aren't doing their job. They're not functioning within the body the way that God has intended to the, for them to function. For many, it's because they don't recognize or realize I'm actually one of those guys. For most of us, we don't realize what category we fall into. And so therefore, but out of ignorance, we're, we're not doing our part. And Jesus has said the role of these people is to equip the rest of us to do the work of ministry in order that the body could be built up, in order that we can achieve unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus, and in order that we would become mature. And then he says, this is what happens otherwise. We're, we're babies. We'll be infants. Infants are spiritually immature, and it's okay to be spiritually immature when you're young in your faith. It's not okay after five years or seven years or eight years old. That's not okay. That's a sin. He's talking about these, the spiritually immature who have not been built up. And he's saying about them, they're like a ship on the sea that, that can't steer itself. It's, it's at the mercy of the wind and the waves. And the wind and the waves, that's every deceitful or, or untrue doctrine that comes our way. It's all these teachings. 
that probably for most of us, they sound really good. Think about Satan. He masquerades as an angel of light. If he has a pitchfork and a pointy tail, then you see him coming. That's not what he looks like. He looks like an angel of light. His lies contain elements of truth. Think about when he's tempting Jesus in the, in the wilderness. He's using scripture to tempt Jesus. There's a, there's a, there, he just twists it. But the words that he's saying are actually in the Bible. Throw yourself off and the angels will catch you and won't let you harm yourself. That's a paraphrase, but that's directly from Psalm. But he twists it. If we're not growing in the knowledge of the truth, if we're not growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is, if we're not growing in maturity, becoming more like him from the inside out, then we're babies and we're vulnerable to being led astray. And again, for most of us, the things that are going to lead us astray, they're going to look really good. They're going to be 90% true. It's going to be an angel of light, not a guy with a pitchfork and a pointy tail. And then Paul shifts and what he talks, and then he talks about speaking and the speaking and the serving, they're, they're, they both point to the same end. He says, we're going to start, well, instead of, instead of the untruth, Let's speak the truth to each other in love. And then the result of that is maturity. In every respect, we'll become mature, the, the, the mature body of Christ. Jesus is the head. He holds everything together. We'll be growing, building ourselves up. There's that idea again in love as each of us does our part. So again, thinking of 1 Peter 4 and speaking and serving gifts, Paul is saying, hey, we're serving And we're speaking, and both of those gifts lead to the same place. Maturity in the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ, knowing Jesus at a greater and deeper level. This is the thing that I want you thinking through this morning. Uh, If you only get one thing, this is what I want you to try to grab onto. If you're following Jesus, then you're in one of those five categories. You either have an apostolic bent, a prophetic bent, an evangelistic bent, a pastoral bent, or a teaching bent. Everyone I believe who's a Christian is bent, leans in one of those five ways. You could say all of us, we're, you are one of those five. You fit into one of those five categories if you are a Christian. Now there's some initial objections, particularly around the first two. Apostle and prophet. We hear that and all kinds of warning bells go off. You're talking about modern day apostles and prophets and the canon is closed and we don't add anything to scripture 100%. Think about it in two categories. Capital A apostles, capital P prophets, and lower A, lowercase a and P apostles and prophets. The Old Testament prophets, those are capital P guys. Their authority uh, is at a scope that a modern day prophet is not. That's why we have their words in the Old Testament. Their words are timeless, they're universal. Modern day prophets, not the case. Their words are neither timeless nor universal. Jesus' apostles, so that's the 12, take Judas out, put Matthias in, because after Judas hung himself, Matthias was added to the mix. Add Paul and Jesus' brother James, that's about it, those 14. Very different from a modern day apostle. Those guys, their words make up most of the New Testament. Their authority is very different than the authority of someone who is functioning apostolically. Different groups of people. When we're talking about Old Testament prophet, capital P, Jesus' apostles, capital A, their words are timeless, 
and universal uh, for the for the New Testament. For the they're not really just New Testament apostles; they're just Jesus's apostles. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. They had a special commission just from him to do a particular work of spreading the gospel. And again, that's a closed group. Same with the Old Testament prophets. That's a closed group of people. Nobody's being added to either of those groups, and nothing that anybody does now, apostolically or prophetically, rises to the level of what we have in the Bible. So I want you to hear me loud and clear. Two different groups, two different levels and scopes of authority. Modern-day apostles and prophets, I think, do the same work as Old Testament prophets, as Jesus' apostles, but they do it with, again, it's a much smaller scope and it's a much less... Uh, authority. There are no more Jeremiah's or Zacharias or Hosea's. There are no more Peter and James and John and Paul. Okay. Second major objection people have is, well, okay, I can see that, but it's really only for the professional Christians, right? It's not the rest of us. That's like for the people who work at a church or work at a nonprofit or uh, are called into full-time missionary work and move overseas. That's really who these things are for. And the rest of us, we're the body that's being equipped. And I would say not so much. Verse 7 says, to each of us, grace has been given. That to me is an inclusive statement. I don't know how to get around that. To each of us, not to each of the people who get paid, not to each of the people who do something full-time, not to each of the people who have an official leadership position within an organization, But to each of us, it's anachronistic to apply current church leadership structure to Ephesians or actually to the entire New Testament. There's really only two leadership roles that you see in the New Testament, elder and deacon. And an elder is a shepherd. It's the same. If you read 1 Peter 5, you'll see Peter's talking about elders and he's talking about them shepherding. They do that work. So we would say that, you know, a shepherd may or every elder is a shepherd. A shepherd may or may not be an elder. So in what sense has Jesus given these five gifts to the church if only one of them in some small way is connected to leadership in the church? I think it can't just be for the professionals. We have small group leaders here. Nobody's going to say that those guys are not pastors and shepherds. It's what they do. They don't get paid to do it, but it's what they do. And so I want to, again, challenge you and encourage you to see if you're following Jesus, then you fit in one of these five categories. You're, again, it's, think about it in terms of a bent, not a label, not something to put on your business card. This is how you contribute to the maturing of the body. The function of these five roles is, again, really important. That's what you, I want you to keep that at the forefront of your mind. This is about the equipping of the body. This is about the maturing, the building up of the body. This is about growing in, our, in, the, in the faith. This is about growing in our relationship with Jesus. This is important stuff. And again, I think one of the reasons that maybe we see some immaturity in the church, particularly here uh, in the South, is because we've all tended to say, well, whatever these five things are, I'm not one of them. And so we have a handful of people sometimes trying to do the work that's, that's uh, intended to be for all of us to do and to, to execute. So I want you to think about that. There's a QR code there on the screen. I'd love you to take a picture of that and follow those links sometime this week. 
this week. We won't be able to dive into deep uh, descriptions of all of these five gifts, but that QR code will take you to a page on our website with three links. One is to a book called Primal Fire by a guy named Neil Cole. The book is not nearly as intense as the title. What he's saying in the book, he's developing his theology of these five gifts. Uh, he, it's biblical, I believe. He, he adds a lot of his own observations and experience, so it is not certainly infallible to me. What's helpful about it is he spent a lot of time digging into the New Testament. He spent a lot of time observing how do these gifts function in Really in a, in, a, in a contemporary setting. I found it helpful, and, I would, and you may as well. There's some out there on the table that you can check out from the library. Just read them and bring them back, or you can uh, follow that link, and you can buy the book if you want. What's underneath it, which is probably what most of you are going to do, is a summary of the book. So it's, it's just those five gifts. So if you're like, I really don't care about the foundation. I don't care about all of that background. I just kind of want the guts. Tell me about these five Gifts. Tell me about apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. That second link will do that. It's, a, it's our summary of those five gifts all taken from the book. So all the stuff is from Neil Cole. It's just kind of uh, our summary of those five things. What I would love for you to do is at some point this week, it's, I think it's, it's three or four pages. It's a Google Doc. I would love for you to, to read that over prayerfully and just say, which one of these is me? If it's true that I'm one of them, if it's true that Jesus has given this grace to everyone, so that I'm, I'm part of that, to each one of us, this grace has been given. So let me assume that I'm one of these five. Well, which one fits the best? If you're in a small group, Matt's gonna have some resources for you to kind of kick this around a little bit. If you're not, find some people who know you, who love you, who love God, and just begin to see, like, which one of these makes the most sense based on who I know myself to be. One of the things I appreciate about, the, about Neil Cole and the way that he's laid these out is he doesn't just talk about what these gifts look like in their maturity. He also talks about what they look like in their immaturity. And for many of us, that's what we relate to the most. We can see, ah, oh, all right. That's what it looks like when I'm, that, I, I get that. I see those things coming out of me that aren't necessarily great. And so I would encourage you, do that. And then that third link is a, is a, Inventory. If you, if you like taking a test and you can take a test, it's $9.95. Um, and you can see, and it'll, it'll put you in those categories. It'll tell you kind of what your primary gift is and a secondary, and it just kind of goes, it ranks them for you. I would do that last. Don't do that first. Um, there's only five of those gifts, and you know how that is. You can kind of, y'all are smart. You can figure out what the questions and where they're leading. And first, look. Read the descriptions prayerfully with hopefully two or three other people. What do you see in me? What do I think I am? And then use the, if you want to use the test, use it to confirm what you already are kind of leaning towards and see if it does that for you. And if you need help with any of that or if you want to talk any of that stuff through, you can email Kim and we'll set you up with somebody who can help you walk through that material. So we can't do all that this morning, but I want you to do that because, again, it's important for, to, to me and it's important for us not just to say yes to each of us as given, so I'm one of those five things. It's also for us to say, well, this is the one that I am. Again, not so we can put a label on our shirt or put a, a, a new title on our business card because it's really important for the maturing of the body. Like, we need you. 
What's different between spiritual gifts and when we think about gifts, when we think about gifts like what you get for your birthday or what you get for Christmas, you think of a present that's given to you for your own enjoyment. Spiritual gifts are not that way at all. They're given to you for others. Read Romans, read 1 Corinthians, read Ephesians 4. These gifts are given for the sake of other people. And if you're not, one, aware of, what, of how you're gifted, and two, actively using that gift, what you're actually doing is stealing from the rest of us. Again, don't hear that as guilt, but just I, I, this is important. If we're all not actively functioning apostolically, prophetically, evangelistically, pastorally in these teaching gifts, if we're not all actively doing that, then we're not equipping one another for works of service. There are gaps in our discipleship. We're not, we're not being built up as a body. Think not just Stonebridge, but the broader body of Christ here in Marietta. We're not actively building that body up. We're not moving towards unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We're not becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. Those things are not happening if, we, if, if, if all of us are not acknowledging this is how God has wired me or bent me. This is, this is me as a gift to the body. For some of you, when you think about yourself, you can't imagine that you're a gift to the body. Last week, we said humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Recognize Jesus is giving you as a gift to the rest of us. It's a, it's, it's, it's a gift. It's grace. It's nothing you've earned. It's not because you're cute or smart or because you know the Bible really well or because you try really hard. It's because he gives good gifts. And he is incredibly invested in the maturity of his people. And he's chosen to work through us to, see that, to, to foster that maturity. So take some time this week and dig in. Brief descriptions there behind you or behind me. They'll be on the screen. Apostle, that's the one that's the hardest for us because it sounds authoritative and kind of snotty and ahead of the, it's none of those things. Apostles are people who tend to be pioneers. Uh, they tend to be entrepreneurial. They're willing to go first. They don't necessarily like building on what somebody else does. So in immaturity, it looks a whole lot like people that don't play well with others because they always want to do their own thing. New Testament apostles outside of those 14, Barnabas is called an apostle in Acts 14. Andronicus and Junia, you've never heard of them, but they're in Romans 16, 7. They're called outstanding among the apostles. This is a gift that's still functioning today. Again, just not in the same way that it did in Peter and James and John. But it's that, that going first, kind of the clearing a path, those kind of people. If that's you, like one of the things you need to know about yourself is you get antsy if you're in a church for too long. That doesn't mean that you necessarily need to move. It needs you mean to recognize what this is. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the church. What it probably means is there's something that God is asking you to do. And you need to do it and stop asking and stop expecting somebody else to do it for you. And that's kind of part of the thing. That's part of what it means to have this apostolic bent. You're the one who God has called to go first. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do. Prophets, we all have a sense of what those, things, those kind of people are. This is not about predicting the future or reading people's palms or telling them about their destiny. It's none of that. 1 Corinthians 14.3, New Testament prophecy is strengthening, it's encouraging, it's, it's comforting. People who have a prophetic bent tend to be black and white. 
A lot of times they uh, have a justice orientation as well. That goes with that idea of being black and white. Also, people who have a prophetic bent, they also get itchy in a church because it's never perfect. And people who have a prophetic bent can see all the things that are wrong. And it's immaturity. It's overly critical. And again, for some of you, you know this is you. We talked last week about this idea of making every effort to, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So if, you're, if you have an apostolic or a prophetic bent, you're going to have this tendency to want to get out. Because you're going to either want to, you're, you're going to say the church isn't doing enough. Or the church isn't pure enough. Or there's too many people who are just playing around. And, and those things may be true. But some of that's just the, it's the immaturity of your own giftedness and growing in that. It can be really important. It doesn't mean God will never call you out. He, have, he absolutely may. But you don't want to confuse your immaturity with the voice of the Holy Spirit. So knowing that about yourself can be really helpful. Evangelists, those are guys that the, they're extroverted. They love telling people about what's going on. They're kind of the recruiters and the negative. They're salespeople. They high pressure you into something. In the church, they're talking about Jesus. But some of you do with everything. You evangelize about the movies and the restaurant, whatever your, your latest thing is, your new pair of shoes that everybody needs to get. Like that's, it's kind of that personality and that, that gift. Hey, I've got this great thing and I want you to know about it. Within the church, the great thing is Jesus. And we want people to know about him. Pastors, shepherds, we all have kind of, we all have, I think that's one that's really familiar to us. It's the people who, who uh, take care of other people. They notice. And that may be you. You may, you know, we, we y'all all sit in the same spot and you may notice, hey, so-and-so, they haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I wonder what's going on. Not everybody does that. That's unique to you. That may mean that you have a kind of a shepherding or a pastoral bent to you. You may be a bit more introverted. You may prefer a smaller group to a larger group. Evangelists, again, they tend to be extroverted. Shepherds, they absolutely love people. Just sometimes it's in smaller groups. And again, there's this real desire to see people flourish and to stay with people long-term. Stereotypes. Evangelist is someone who, you know, they're, it's like you're in the door and then I'm going to forget about you and I'm going on to the next guy who's still outside. And a shepherd is, I'm with you. For as long as you're, I'm with you. And that may be how God has wired you. Within the body, again, this is all just kind of anecdotal. The, the majority, if you, it's not 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%. The group that you're going to have the most of are going to be shepherds because it requires that everybody needs to be taken care of. And we can only take care of so many people at one time. Teachers, again, you know that one as well. And that may be you. You like to read. You're curious. Maybe on the negative, you're a stickler for details and what you would say is the truth. You can tend to get a bit abstract. You're okay with, hey, here's another notebook on the shelf information versus actually seeing life change. That can be an issue within the church for sure. People are too focused on knowing the right things versus becoming more like Jesus. So those are those five gifts. And those five gifts are people. And you're a person who's been gifted in one of those five ways, I believe. I believe every one of us, if you're following Jesus, whether you're a kid or a student or an adult, you're bent in one of those directions, regardless of how long you've been walking with Jesus. I do think there's different scopes. Some people have a large 
we'll call it a platform, that's a terrible word, but some people have a larger venue in which they operate. Other people, it's, it's a smaller venue. One is not better than the other. Some people get paid to do this work. Some people don't. Not, one's not better than the other. Some people are more mature in their calling and we want to grow. One of the things I appreciate about Neil Cole is he says, maturity looks like giving away what you've received, which is Matthew 10, 4 and 5. When Jesus sends out the apostles, he says, freely you've received. These things are gifts. So freely you need to give. So this is, again, it's not about making a name for ourselves, marking our territory. It's not about uh, really even about our own influence. It's about serving others. It's about saying, here's, here's something God has given to me, and I want to use that for your benefit. I want to use, that's when we talked last week, be completely humble. That's what humility looks like. I'm in this relationship for you. I'm not in this relationship for me. So as we close, this is what I want you thinking about. Bo's going to come back up. He's going to lead us in a time of ministry. And this is what I want you asking the Lord. You can close your eyes. First question, do you actually believe that God has gifted you to be one of these five? When it says to each of us, do you say, yeah, but not me? And if that's you, honestly, you just need to repent. You're disagreeing with Jesus. And so I want you to just to do that. God, I confess, this is a hard one for me. I don't see myself in any way in, these, in one of these five categories. I certainly don't believe I have anything to offer in terms of maturing the body. And for some of you, it's not a matter of whether or not you believe it. You don't want it to be true because you're pretty happy with the way you're living your life. And this sounds like, oh, this may take something. This may require me to do a little more, carve out a little more time. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to repent of that as well. God, I don't have time for one more thing. And like, There's a part of you that may be saying, like, that's why I write a check. And so somebody else can do this. I don't want to do it. And I would encourage you, if that's you, just to acknowledge that before the Lord as well. Just an unwillingness. And it's okay if that's how you feel. Just be honest with the Lord. So that's kind of the first step for us is coming to a place where we can say, yes, I'm either apostolically bent or prophetically bent or evangelistically bent, pastorally bent, bent as a teacher. I just want to say one other thing. When you hear teacher, don't necessarily think about someone like me who just stands up and talks to a group. You may hate talking in front of people. And that's, okay. that, that's, it's just a, that's, a, that's the means. That's not necessarily the end. So don't let that hang you up. So then the question is, so God, what is it? Jesus, if you have given if you're giving me as a gift to the body, well, what am I? And would you lead me into the truth of what that is? And then the third thing, would you then show me what it looks like to find my place? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be faithful? If these gifts are that important in terms of the building up and the maturing of the body, I want to do my part, but I don't even know where to begin. So what am I supposed to do?
and he'll begin to lead you there. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead each one of us more deeply into the truth of this gift that Jesus is, uh, that we are to the body, as well as what it looks like for us to be faithful in walking that out. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do. Bo's going to lead us in ministry. Some of you came in with a need that has nothing to do with Ephesians 4, which is totally fine and legitimate, and we want to pray for you. Uh, We'll have teams up here, so whatever you came in with, we want to pray. Uh, And I do want uh, to also give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, if, if, If you're unsure about which of these five you are, then let us pray that God would clarify that. And if you're unsure of what it looks like to engage in the body through that lens, then let us pray with you about that. And we can also follow up. And that doesn't necessarily, rarely will it mean a formal job. That's, that's, that's only for, a, that, that's most of us, that's not what it looks like at all. It's much more, I think, of recognizing. So this is how God tends to use me. And so having my eyes open to those opportunities. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Like some are really easy. If you're, if you, if you discover, hey, I'm kind of bent pastorally. Well, then you might want to lead a small group, or you might want to get on that care team that takes care of people when they're hurting and when they're sick. But there are other things that are even less formal than both of those things, which are not formal either. Uh, but we want to help you begin to discover what those ways are that uh, how God wants to use you. Because, it's again, it's not just about you, and it's actually not even primarily about you. It's primarily about us. Uh, it's how, it's the gift that you are to the rest of us. And, and we need you. Uh, we need you in order to become mature in all that God wants us to be. So you guys respond, and Bo will dismiss us in a moment. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 